Hi everyone, my name is Alina Mouran and the past 11 years I've been in charge of our brands within our fashion department at UPR Belgium. Today's conversation guests are the incredible power couple Florence and Arthur from Damoy and La Collection. I had the honor to work with them in the past year after selecting them at the nominations for the Belgian Fashion Awards to support them in PR and communications. In the last years, Arthur and Florence have earned their stripes in the Belgian and international fashion world. They have been running the Damoy multi-brand store in Antwerp for nine years now, but have been scoring internationally for more than three years with the timeless women's line La Collection. In recent times, they have also frequently commuted to Paris to represent a variety of fashion brands and sell them to the more high-end boutiques. Now they are shifting up a gear with damoyplatform.com an online B2B fashion platform where both their own collection and collections of other designers can be shown and sold. Not to the end consumer, but to the high-end retailer anywhere in the world. Welcome to our UPR podcast and 20 questions with Florence Kohls and Arthur Tadevosian. Florence and Arthur, welcome to our talk. Hi, thank you for having us. Hello. You both started your career by opening a multi-brand store in Antwerp without any knowledge. How did you know you were doing exactly what you were meant to do? <laughs> Good one. We actually didn't. We still don't know what we are doing. <laughs> no, we started actually in 2011. It was during the financial crisis, which started in 2008. We were in our early 20s, so young, stubborn. I don't know. We were like driving around often and, uh, and talking in the car and uh, and and dreaming away from the reality because at that moment I was studying, you were studying as well. I was studying in the uni, which I didn't like at all. And, uh, and Florence was studying to be a teacher, no? Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, um, she was always talking about fashion because like, um, it was her passion as well. She, she loved fashion. She talked about it. She, everything we, if you we went shopping together, she would buy something and just change it and uh, make something different of it and uh, and at one point I asked her what is it that you really want to do in life and she said well I really really want to own my own brand have my own store and that's how actually everything started if I'm looking back at it it's crazy because I remember because Florence was working in Antwerp and in a store called Siena yeah. and she was working there as a student during the weekends on Saturday and on Sunday I'm not sure yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I used to pick her up in Antwerp. And one day we were walking around in Antwerp in the area called the Wilde Zee. And we were just walking around and there was one empty, not empty space. It was a space which was from oil and vinegar. And it was for rent. And Flora said, oh, this area is so good. If we could open only a store here. And I said, okay, let's do it. Let's open a store. I took my phone. I called the number on the on the sign and we made an appointment. We sat down and they said, okay, the store will be yours in six months. We only had six months to plan everything. Then you go to your parents and you say, hey, guys, we're going to stop with, uh, with our, with our with stu studies. <laughs> so we're going to open a store and we're going to sell clothes. And then you can imagine the reaction they had. <laughs> we do not come from the most wealthy families we, no. we both had everything we we needed and we could have imagined but we really had to work for our art capital by student jobs by doing everything possible those 
six months to prepare ourselves. Uh, in the meanwhile, we were doing the construction works ourselves. Yeah, I mean, Arthur with our dad. With my dad, which he is um, my hero, by the way. We did everything by ourselves, but even signing the contract. Like, I mean, we were signing the first lease of the building and I was just signing it without knowing was what. the most irresponsible act yeah. we ever did. 21, 22 at that point. <laughs> we just jumped into into the deep. And that's probably one of the reasons we succeed because we didn't have all the choices. So we had to keep moving forward. That was the only way possible. As Arthur said, we were very stubborn, super young, and we thought we had a vision and an idea and we were just going to do it our way. So it's not that we were super informed or super experienced in the business, even until the day before we started our store. I think the reason of our success was and still is like, when we started, we made a pact, which was whatever happened, we were not going to point to each other when we were not succeeding in some things. We always said our relation is before everything, no? If I make a wrong decision or Arthur does, we're not going to point fingers. We're just, we're in this together and we stick up for each other no matter what. And we're just going to bring it to a good end. And my mistake counts as his and the other way around, so... We're not gonna, I don't know how to say, blame each other. Um, yeah, we don't, we are, we are not gonna blame each other. That was one of the first things we Yeah, and, and it's something we really stick by and we truly believe in that it's the savior of both our company as our relationship, yeah, probably. We never had a fight about a choice. We just powered through it, good or bad. And so you started with the store and did it all just run in the good direction from the start or was it a rough road? Yeah, well, no, definitely not. It was one of the toughest moments in our life. I mean, for us to be, I think, 22, 23 at that point, I don't even remember. It was really, really tough financially. It was really hard. When we opened the store, we thought, okay, we're gonna, we had everything like from size 34 till 46. We want to be like a store for everybody. But the only, only thing was we only had 50 square meters. So it's not that big. And we did a lot of mistakes when we buy the inventory. I think as well here, it's the lack of experience. We were advised by some showrooms, you should buy this or this or this. And actually what we eventually had bought for the store was only 20% of that was what I personally really liked and would wear. And in the end, it turned out that that 20% was the part that worked super well and what the customers were looking for and not the other things that should sell well. So I think it's only after our third season that we really did it our way and that it was starting to work how we wanted it to. As Florence said, the first two seasons, I think it was more than that, two years. It was really, really, really hard for us. We struggled to pay the bills. We struggled to pay the collections. But at the end, we did what we had to do to succeed. The key to our success is because we never gave up. Never, ever. Won't happen. True. So that was the moment that you knew, okay, this is exactly what I want to do and that we are meant to do. It felt really good that we had a lot of good feedback from the customers. We created our own little demo universe and we really had our people coming back for our curation because there were brands that were at in other stores as well, but they didn't have the curation we made. And I think that's how we stood out. Yeah, how we made a difference. Actually, it's... 
around the same area that we also decided to open the showroom because we noticed that there was a market for the wholesale and to take a different approach that a lot of showrooms are already using in, in Belgium in the Benelux market. We felt it was important that a brand was not like in five stores in one city such as Antwerp, super small city. It's rather smart to spread the brand over the world so you will get your targets because in the end of course it's getting your targets to keep the brand happy but we could make all of those ones by spreading it around the globe rather than just in a tiny country as Belgium. The competition among the stores was nice, there was no negativity, the brands we worked with were growing super fast and in a really good way so. But also a lot of stores, nice a lot do. of stores in Belgium for example Caro in Herentals Pant one in Bonhead, just Julia in Knokke. I mean, I can name a few. There were young people who want to open a store and none of the other brands gave them a chance. It was our showroom who said, okay, guys, we're going to support you guys because we really like your idea. You are young. You are full of energy. We work rather with you than with somebody else who was existing for 20 years or 30 years in that same area. That's why we were the showroom who was supporting the, the new stores, actually. And they still call us today and say, well, hey, Arthur, thank you for believing in us because we are doing a great job. So it's not only only the financial part that makes you feel that you succeed in your story. It's also when people are telling you thank you for supporting us and helping us. That's for me, actually, the real success. Arthur, you recently launched an online B2B platform with Damoy Showroom. Why the need to set this up and what differentiates you from other existing platforms? The idea started actually in 2017 when we opened our first international showroom in Paris. We grew so fast that Excel was not good enough anymore. So before that, we always worked on Microsoft Excel and it always worked. But when we went to Paris... It went really fast. So we needed a platform to help us with the sales, all the confirmations and everything. And I was in contact with Jor Access. Actually, Jor is a very good platform, but it only offered me 50% of the yeah what we needed. And of course, when they told me the rate of it, it was quite expensive. I thought, okay, you know what? Instead of spending that money for a year on Jor Access and have to pay it for every year, I decided to create my own platform. That's actually when we started the first codes. I met Eve. Eve is my IT guy. He was sitting in my office and I told him about my idea and he said, well, I think it's a good idea. Let's do it. One week later, we start uh, writing the first code. And after two years, it was almost finished. And then we had the COVID-19 issue. Now we decided to like do an extension, an, to an add-on, like the virtual showroom. And now with the platform, you can handle everything from A to Z. So you can go from production to sales, B2B, B2C. Nowadays, like two months ago, we decided also to implement SEOs for uh, Facebook marketing and uh, Google, all those kind of things. That's why we, we thought there was a need for a platform. Right. Also, our own brand is using uh, the platform nowadays for everything. We use it for our sampling, for our sales, for our picking and packing at the warehouse. Most important is at the moment our virtual showroom. If we wouldn't have this tool, we wouldn't be able to sell to all of our clients because we're not able to see everyone. We have clients in Australia, in the US, in Asia, Middle East, like 
everywhere. Also, the B2B part is very important for us from invoicing, shippings, SEOs, everything is covered. I think I speak as a brand owner that this tool is, we couldn't at the moment live without it. I'm very happy Arthur decided to create it. Together with Eve. <laughs> also for me as a brand, I'm in charge of both design and production. And it's my ultimate tool to make sure that everything goes very smooth. As soon as I have my final order in, we get everything confirmed. And then we start production from the same orders. The system calculates all by itself how many meters of fabrics I need, how many buttons, how many labels. And it specifies everything per product, per style, per category. And I can just shift it to the right factory all by itself. So it's at that same point, we also implement the HDS codes, which we use for the shippings. Actually, everything is in the system before you start sampling, you know, the fabrics, we put the fabrics in the system, Florence start designing, all the sketches are in the system. We know how much we spent on the first sampling, second sampling. Uh... Yeah. And I think we work with a lot of brands like La Collection, who are rather small brands in the beginning, uh, with not the biggest of teams and this way we can do like a lot of parts of the business go to one person which normally you would need two or three people to do those things and now it's all digitalized so it's very easy and very uh, effective it's a click away florence how do you think your vision as a designer differs from everyone else in the industry how do you plan to have a forward vision facing the future with La Collection? I don't know if my vision is that different than other designers, but I personally, I rather not design in trends, seasons, or by any other rule that is set by the industry. It feels super liberating, both for me as a designer, but also for our stores who are buying our collection. And I think most importantly for the end consumer who will find something very fresh in the racks of their favorite designer stores. For the future, I plan to even expand this vision and really try to create our collections in even more transseasonal ways with the highest quality of materials as we do from the beginning, but it will only get better and better among the next coming years and months. Arthur, we already had conversations in the past about your background and your history from where you were young. If you look at where you were at 20 years ago, did you expect to get to where you are now? Yes and no. When I was 14, I never, ever expected to end up in the fashion industry. No way. <laughs> I always had expectations. What can I say without sounding cocky? I mean, uh, I expected to have the most beautiful and inspiring wife. That's something I expected. So one. Second, I always, one of my dreams was always to have a white house, to buy a white house. I own one and travel a lot, which we do a lot together. True, true. Actually, one of my life quotes is, if you can dream it, you can do it. So everything I dreamed and I still dream of, I'm trying to realize it, to get it done. No? Yeah, true. And my life, if you look where I come from, it's, I'm not going to talk about that in this podcast because then you need two or three more hours. But uh, I had and have the most crazy and most beautiful life ever. It was a roller coaster. It made me who it I was, am. It is. It, it is. Needs, a, it needs yeah, to it last is. for I mean, a long more time. Yeah, sometimes I think it's a life sentence. Florence, what was the key moment in your career, the one that you learned the most from? I think both me and Arthur have had our share of learning moments in the past nine years. But what happened to the world and therefore also to our company in the past eight months already 
has been a real life lesson in so many ways. It has been super hard to deal with some major setbacks, but it has also been super refreshing, super liberating at the same time. We have been forced to take some choices that we couldn't have imagined taking otherwise. They have been proven to be the best things we have done for our company. If I would say that it's only a positive thing, it's absolutely not. It no, has been a, a super tough struggle and... It's a challenge. Yeah, there are even days that we think like, how are we going to survive all of this? But I think we are very positive. We want to keep on growing. Our team is also very positive. Everyone still believes in the brand, in the company, in the platform, in the showroom. It's We try to keep everyone inspired and... Staying and motivated. Yeah, I mean, staying positive. Uh, it's the only way to survive this. So I think that has been a big lesson for us. Too. In our first lockdown, it was actually much easier because it was during the summer. You can sit outside, but no, nowadays everybody is a little bit depressed. I can see it. Of the girls who work with us, I mean, it's depressing because they have to sit inside. It's darker around 5 or 6 p.m. It's getting darker. For us, it's really a challenge to keep everybody motivated, including ourselves. Basically, yeah, but it's the only way. And we I think we find ways all the time. We find new ways to also to keep the, the team together and to keep the spirits high. If it is with like quick Zoom meetings to we try to do like a cocktail thing from distance. So we're all in the same Zoom meeting having cocktails. It's super chaotic. It's really um a, a, cha <laughs> a challenge to make this happen. <laughs> but it's those little things. We try to keep everyone together. And I think we are all so looking forward to the first day that we will be sitting on a terrace having that cocktail in real. We know you on your social media as someone very discreet, Florence, very minimal. I believe that you are someone that rather whispers than shouts. So tell me, what is something that no one knows about you? I am indeed not the loudest person in the room. I would say I'm a dreamer. I wander off in my own world. If you would let me, I'd probably choose to spend most of my days with animals rather than with humans. So you could say I'm more of an introvert person. But the people I do allow in my, how to say, in my circle are so important for me that I would literally do everything for them. I learned along the way to choose my people wisely. And I prefer to spend the little spare time that I have with the people close to my heart and make it work. Florence, what do you predict for the future of the fashion industry? I secretly hope that people will more and more start to appreciate the realness of fashion again. The raw and beautiful industry that once existed and that is now slowly brought back by designers and brands who actually really care for quality over quantity, who want to create a universe rather than just create some clothes and those who care enough about the world to try to do efforts in sustainability. Both for me and Arthur, this is really important and we, we really feel there is a lot possible in this direction, but it's moving very slowly. And I think our industry is so big and so moving fast forward. So we should be pioneers in this. All right. So Arthur, what will you be doing in the next decades to change the future of fashion for the better? I probably will concentrate and focus in changing the behavior of the customers. I want to put my focus on the consumer. I want to educate and create a kind of awareness. I want the consumer to understand when they buy clothes, they have to see it as a long-term investment. They only need to buy the things they they want they need it for like key pieces key pieces but also something they need they have to buy it and not something that they are not sure of if you are not sure of something don't buy it 
today's problem to me is the overconsumption. Like the consumers, they buy too much. And it's not only for our industry, it's for the everybody, like for the planet. It will be much better if we are aware about this problem. If we stop consuming as we consume today, I think there will be a lot of problems solved. Indeed, investment pieces, not just buy anything from clothes to food to everything. Overconsumption. Everything. If you buy something, eat it. Don't throw it away. Don't put it in the fridge and throw it away a week later and go and buy a new piece of meat or whatever. If you want to save the planet, the only, only solution to me is the overconsumption. If you can change the mindset of the consumer, we can change the overconsumption and we can change the whole industry, but not only the industry. If we change the overconsumption, we will save the planet as well. With lots of experience on hand yourselves, Florence, which are some key insights or advice you would give young dreamers having their own brand? The first insight that I would love to share is one that I got from Arthur, and that is always dream big, always. No mountain is too high if you really truly believe in yourself, in your product, and also super important if you know from yourself that you are willing to go the extra mile. Secondly, the good advice that I would love to share is stay true to yourself. It may sound very, very cliche, but it's so important. I think I always try to listen to the feedback of every single person in our team, to every single one of our buyers, every stylist we work with, the salespeople of our store, everyone. But I'm always very careful with filtering this feedback into what works for the La Collection universe or what doesn't. And I think it is this feeling of authenticity and realness that people really appreciate about the designer brand and what makes them fall in love with the brand or not. And I always say to watch Rocky, the movies of Sylvester Stallone. It's not how hard you can hit, it's how much you can take and keep moving forward. <laughs> All right. That was our questions. Now we have prepared some rapid fire questions to get to know you guys even a bit more. I'm going to start with Florence. Very curious about this one. If you could raid one woman's closet, who would it be? I would go way back in time. It would be Georgia O'Keeffe. I love her androgen looks. I love how forward she was for her time by wearing trousers when all of the other women were still wearing skirts and dresses. She had this very minimal style that I, I find super appealing and she brought it in a way that it was so special and it stood out far between all the other people from her time. I think that's super inspiring. And there are many, many pieces that I use as an inspiration. Actually, for our next winter collection, there will be a piece called Georgia. The people who really know her style, they will immediately recognize where it refers to. So Nice. Arthur, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were 12? Hannibal Smith, 18. I don't know why, but he was like my hero back then. Nowadays, if I can be half the man as my dad is, I'm happy with it. Florence, what is your ultimate feel-good song? Strawberry Letter 23 by the Brothers Johnson. It's a song I know from Arthur. He has a very good taste in music, and I think he taught me a lot of, a lot of great songs. Okay. This is one. It has good memories. Arthur, what is something you wish you could be good at? I wish I could be good at learning languages. I think that's one of the things I'm not so good in at the moment. Uh, he always underestimates himself. So. Yeah, but I would, I would love to learn languages because I think knowing languages, that's very powerful and very important. When I was at school, I didn't care much about the French course or the English. It was to me, oh, who needs that? 
But today I understand the essence of it. And I think it's very, very, very important languages. That's the only thing I miss. Florence, your 20s or your 30s? 30s for sure. I'm a, a late bloomer. <laughs> Arthur, if you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? 50s, without a doubt. When everybody was dressed up, when they go to the movies even, to for dinners, everybody was dressed up. You had the big bands. And actually, the 50s were the period when you still had gentlemen, where men opened door for women. That's gone nowadays. Now you see like, oh, they're going first. They open the door, they go. They don't care about the woman behind them. No. So 50s for sure. I would love to travel with you. <laughs> <laughs> then the last question to round up is one for you both. Antwerp or Paris? Antwerp. Antwerp is home, but Paris is a dream. So both. Yeah. Yeah, Antwerp will nice. be our first home always. And Paris is our second, actually. All right, there was it. Thank you guys so much for your time. It was lovely talking to you. We'll keep an eye on you too and wish you all the best. Keep on inspiring us and good luck. Thank you for having us and good luck to you guys as well. Thank you for the nice words. 